1: HEEEEE yeah.
0: Welcome to the 151st episode of the Supernatural Occurrence Studies Podcast. Oh my
2: God. So fucking
0: paranormal. Oh, it feels good to say that. Mm. My name is Jason Knight, host of this show. And with me, as always, is
2: Oscar Specter. I nearly forgot my name, <laughs>
0: producer extraordinaire <laughs> and podcast co host. Wow, we're back. This is the first <coughs> official episode. After a, a year.
2: Doesn't feel official. Isn't it crazy? I don't see a notary.
0: <laughs> oh, she's in the closet right no. now. You have but a stenographer too? Yes. Okay. Counting yes.
2: the minutes and shit. hmm mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. So, you know what's funny? We ended our seasons, mm-hmm. ended our mm-hmm. our series. I think- uh, How do you say it? We, we ended the show yeah. last year mm-hmm. with a fucked up story from Japan. And, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Right? Yes. With Izzy Sagawa, the Kobe cannibal. Mm-hmm. Now we're restarting the show, same almost time of the year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Right. With another fuckier story <laughs> from Japan. Wow. And, and I didn't really plan it that way. I just kind of thought about it. I'm like, oh, my God.
2: Yeah. It just came up that way. Just uh, kismet, if you will.
0: Kismet. Yes.
2: Coincidence or something. Yes. Um, it's kind of strange. It is a little strange. Uh, or oh, you have something against Japanese. <laughs> 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 or that I mean, not I'm all. not gonna focus on that part of it. I don't think it's that, you know. Not at all. Um, but also, you know, uh, you know, remember? Uh, have you seen Avengers like Endgame? Yes. Right. You know, uh, when people disappear, uh, Thanos did the thing. People, half the people, right? Yeah. The snap. A lot of people called the blip. The blip. Yeah. We're gonna call 2022 the blip.
0: <laughs> Dude, fuck 2022.
2: It's the blip. It's nothing happened. We just came back. We just we we re- rematerialized, re- and we're just starting back at normal. Like, okay. We were doing December again. That's weird. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's didn't it. We just do December. Nothing happened. Okay. In eleven months, nothing
0: happened. Moving on. Right. Yeah. Let's move on. Very strange. And and we are face to face. I'm looking at your lovely eyes. Mm. We can see each other finally. We are pick up our cues. Yeah. You didn't
2: even I, you didn't even mention my haircut.
0: Do uh, what haircut? I haven't <laughs> your hair is like 16
2: <laughs> That's actually a bit long. You know, the last time I cut it was probably around that t- last time we recorded. No kidding. That's probably been it's it's been a year.
0: I I like it a lot. He's got
2: long, luscious linguine locks. Linguine locks. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Very thin, long, straight hair. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I like, I like the long hair thing. It looks good. Thank you. Yeah, you got this perfect hairline going. See, I couldn't pull that off because my hairline's fucked up. I don't think it's that fucked up. Thank you. But you get you get to stay. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> uh,
2: what are you going to bounce the ideas off of, huh? What are you going to do? Talk to yourself? You're going to run over here and then go over there?
0: Yeah, right? Run around the table? Yeah. Knock nah. everything over? Because everything's so precarious. <laughs> everything like is, yes, right exactly.
2: <laughs> One, like a 2.0 earthquake will shatter this. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, yeah, this is very precarious. And a 2.0 earthquake is nothing, by the right. way. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, walk heavy and everything's coming down.
2: Mm-hmm. Think heavy and it comes down.
0: Yeah. Are we, are we having more whiskey or what? Are we done?
2: I'm not. I'm not done if
0: you're not done. I've been drinking. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little pour again. Okay, and then some, I will join you. Some more E.H. Taylor. We're going to open that right there. Ooh, how did that sound on the mic? It mind? sounded amazing. Did that sound nice?
2: Yeah, I can almost smell it through the fucking <sighs> headphones here.
0: Do you know, I went to a bar last weekend, and for what I just poured, mm-hmm. I paid 60 bucks, And you actually paid this? For that pour. Yep. Because I love E.H. Taylor. They had E.H. Taylor. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm going to get E.H. Taylor. Then I got the bill. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Oh, so
2: you didn't know going in. I didn't. So you wouldn't have done it. <sighs> Maybe. Uh, probably
0: not. Well, you don't To be it. honest, probably not. All right. Right, was, That's crazy. smells yummy. This was
2: Milwaukee, right?
0: Yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah.
2: Not the street folks in Chicago. He's talking about the, Milwaukee, the, Wisconsin. The yeah, a
0: yeah. great bar called Shaker's Cigar Bar. Don't it goes, sponsor it. It's $60. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> But it goes back to the early 1900s. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Al Capone was involved. <laughs> it's built that. on top of a cemetery. Mega haunted. They do haunted tours, haunted sleepovers. All right, I'll
2: let them slide then. Uh, uh,
0: they, Jeffrey Dahmer used to go there, so they have a Dahmer tour, which we took. Uh, this, the stool he used to sit in is still at the bar. They keep it off to the side. No one's allowed to sit in it. Hmm. Uh, very Tons of history at this place. So, yeah. Wonderful bourbon selection, wonderful ghosts. The atmosphere is, like I said, from the early 1900s, right up my alley. Fantastic. 60 bucks for that fucking pour.
2: Must be so weird to be someone that some, at some point in history, when you meant nothing, you sat in some stool in some bar. Fuck, right? And then it's now being showcased, and you, no one can sit on it because you were the last one to have done it. That's bizarre.
0: It is very bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Even taking the Dahmer tour, it's kind of bizarre.
2: Must be what is like being Beyonce's like. I'm sure everything she touches, people are immediately like collecting oh, from museums an and shit, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> ebay. Sell that shit on eBay. Right, right, right. She touched it. She spit on me. This is my skin. <laughs> they cut the
0: skin off. Oh,
2: <laughs> Terrifier, too. I can see that in Metalocalypse doing that.
0: I remember cause, Metalocalypse.
2: Because they're like diehard fans that they kill each other for waiting for the album, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it feels good to be back. <clears throat> Have a fucked up story tonight. Yeah, I know this one. A lot of triggers. Mm-hmm. Definitely a warning. Oh, yeah. Warning galore. Some nasty shit on this one. But, hey, it's Christmas time, <laughs> and this is kind of what we do. Right.
2: Put this in your stocking, stuffer.
0: Stuff it in your stocking? Isn't it called stocking stuffer? It is.
2: Yeah, okay, thank you. I had it right. Yeah, put <laughs> this in your stocking. Give it to your family. Enjoy. Enjoy. I don't see this, but... He did a a giving motion with his hands. Yeah, but kind of like disdainfully.
0: I've noticed my chair speaks, and I'm sure it sounds like...
2: Yeah, definitely keep demonstrating it.
0: (laughs) These mics, man.
2: I'm ready to go back on Zoom. I don't know who mics are, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, even on Zoom, you could still use the mic.
0: Yeah, you could. You could. But I used a much dumber mic with Zoom. Why?
2: Because it's Zoom? I guess. It still
0: captures pretty well.
2: That's... They make a whole business around it.
0: <laughs> it's just these things are so sensitive.
2: Yeah, they are pretty sensitive, it's, and I don't mean like you know if you say one bad word they'll cry. I mean they can pick up anything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the, some <laughs> of the the downfalls of the quirks of recording. Uh, yeah, in Person, I'm,
2: I'm really worried. What kind of sounds I'm gonna hear? Like, do I smack my lips at all? I wonder. I'm gonna I'm gonna find out. Well, hopefully this pop filter helps with that. Right? Yeah. No, I'm sure it does. But it, it, it helps with pop. <laughs> Not.
0: Oh. Well, wet your lips with some whiskey. Yes. i can never heard a call to adventure Don't as much as that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not much has happened with me since the last we, we did our little welcome back recording release. You know, mm-hmm. It's been pretty slow. Well, since
2: uh, I know, yeah. And I remember that uh, we just did our magic of editing, we just did our, our apology introduction there.
0: Yeah, like a welcome back. That's what I call it, our welcome back
2: right release. Right, 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 right. So, and we don't have a lot to talk about, but I did have something that's in the season. So every year, uh, you may have known, listeners, if any of you stuck around that are over a year old, um, I do a, a white elephant Christmas party with my friends in January because none of us are available in December. And um, obviously this, this 2023, I mean, in January, in a month, no, it's no different. We have one already planned. And I found, I did find a great gift. It's a theme gift. What is it? But before I even mention it, which I may not mention it, I want to talk to you about the dark ass theme that I had before, the the, the the theme that I scrapped. Oh, what is I want to tell you about the theme. I almost went with this. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> uh, I'm going to start with a question, Jay. Yes. Uh, Jay. Yes. Did you notice that I asked you a couple days ago, five days ago, and text that uh, hey, is it okay if I send you
0: some shipments? Yep. And what did I say right away? Sure. I didn't even. <laughs> I mean, all I said is, "Am I going to get arrested?" Right. Well, you said, <laughs> That's it. You're like, no, it's going cool. like, yeah, send it. I didn't even ask. Right. You didn't even. <laughs> right.
2: right. You're like down, and I knew you'd be down. And uh, I remember you asked like, "Am I going to get arrested?" And I said like, "No, no. There's just things I can't ship in Illinois."
0: Yeah. I said okay. Right. Okay. That's a friend right there, I just got to
2: say. Yes. And reliably so. <laughs> I knew who to ask. Now, I, honestly, I don't know if you noticed, you didn't get any shipments from me, right?
0: Uh, No, nothing came
2: okay, in. Okay, good. I was going to say, like, did you get
0: something? No, because I, I was going to say- you give I an if, eye roll. Like, if it was small, I didn't check the mailbox.
2: Today. Oh, no, I see your point. Okay. So my theme for this white elephant that I scrapped was going to be these shipments, okay? So-
0: I <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay.
2: Okay. I don't remember the whole list, but I had a list of things that you cannot ship in Illinois. There are things you can't buy <laughs> because of what the laws the of the state. Okay. Oh, okay. But you yeah. can in other states, like they don't give a shit, like Wisconsin, like Indiana, <laughs> like Missouri, like Michigan. Um, two, the two major ones that I was going to focus in on were e juices. So for vaping. You can't oh. you can no longer get those oh, in the mail no anymore, okay. as of twenty twenty one actually. Okay. That's probably why the blip exists. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I was just dying of frustration. Um anyway, so I have to go to a store to buy it physically every single time now. Hmm. It's really annoying. And more expensive. So that was gonna be one. And I had all these ideas for this theme where like I would separate all these little little gifts in these boxes, and each box will have a note card that says something quippy or probably dark. About the thing itself and why <laughs> it's kind of funny, okay, kind of making fun of Illinois, but also saying like "smoke up, Johnny" kind of thing. And then the last gift was going to be the worst, the pierce de resistance or whatever the French word is. the The main thing was going to be an airsoft gun, handgun. The, I don't mean like the like the toy; I mean the ones that people use to go out and play as soldiers in the field. Okay, and they have like to wear guns. Sort of yes, they should be because They okay. have a pressurized. Container that you use. Oh, the CO two. Yeah. yeah, the CO two things, yep. right? The ones that use those. Um, I was gonna get that and put it in like take it out of the original box, put it in a nice thing, and have it loaded, and have a um, and have a a note card that says something like, "I don't remember the number. I looked it up, but I forgot what it was. There was, for example, five hundred deaths in the <laughs> city of Chicago shootings. There was five hundred shootings this year in the city of Chicago. Go do your part." And then they oh open my the God, box. it's dark. <laughs> yeah, it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do that. And my friends typically know my sense of humor, and we all have this sense of humor, so I think it would have worked. Yeah. But I scrapped this idea. So that's why you didn't get any of so this. So I'm not going to get pa- Okay, got it. You're not going to get this in the mail. Uh, but I wanted to do it.
0: So what's the new theme? What are you going with?
2: It's much simpler than that. I think it's more wholesome. It's more fun. Uh, I went with a Home Alone theme.
0: Oh yeah, it's
2: nice. So the home alone theme is I got the two tur- I got uh, a pair of turtle doves that are ornaments from the second movie. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, micro machine toys. I loved micro machines. Micro man. machines. I got a set of micro machines. I you great... can still
0: find micro machines. Uh, yes, I can.
2: I, I actually went to Target. Son. They have some. They still make my thing. Fuck no. Yeah, they wow. do. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Toy soldiers, those old green toy soldiers that um, Kevin McAllister uses to shoot. I got an airsoft gun, handgun, but like a toy, like a Nerf-type gun. It shoots really good, though. I tried it out. And so, so you can shoot the soldiers with. I got a VHS copy of the 1991 movie. Nice. Um, and there's some other stuff relating to the movie, like a map of his diagram of what the, where all the traps are.
0: That is cool.
2: Things like that. That
0: is pretty so cool. So basically like a Home alone cool. theme. That's nice. I like it. Yes. So I went I went wholesome. I mean, complete opposite ends of the spectrum on that one. I, I, I like There's still you, a weapon in it. I like what you settled on. <laughs> but yeah. So... Uh thank you for sharing. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. You just reminded me the whole sending me things and me not questioning. Yeah. I just you know for my friends, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. whatever. You uh so I had a, a So PO
2: box guys, PO box 50.
0: A friend of mine uh has a very successful tattoo shop in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh he tons of money. I mean just money hand over fist. Right. And and one day he called me and uh and it's been it would it'd been quite a few years since we spoke. Yeah. And he called me out of blue. He's like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's going. everything's going good. Oh, yeah, it's good. Hey, could I send you a monkey? I'm like, what? He goes, I can't get a monkey sent to my house. It's illegal in Illinois. Can yeah. I send it to you? It is illegal. I'm like, fuck, okay. I think I saw it. that on the list. Yeah. So I just said, yeah, sure. Oh, uh, okay. I never got the monkey. You never got he the backed monkey out. Yeah, he oh, backed out. Yeah, oh, he backed out. But it was you know quite a few thousand dollars, and it couldn't be shipped to Illinois, so he's like, uh, "Wow, I'm going to call Jay, and Jay always says yes." Yeah, you also so, can't send a tiger here. Apparently not. No. Uh, so that that's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah, if I like you, I'll I'll do what I whatever I need. Yeah, I've smuggled drugs for people. I accept <laughs> monkeys. I mean, we I call him the human well. mule. It's true. <laughs> it's the truth. Uh,
2: you know that Clint Eastwood movie, it? The Mule, based on this guy. <laughs>
0: Our good old Jason Knight. Yeah.
2: Well. Jackass. <laughs> just, just fucking jackass over there. No, with Johnny Knoxville, based on this guy. <laughs> um,
0: so I should have probably said at the top of the show uh, that, you know, if you don't want to hear this banterous intro, go to the fucking show notes. Or you remember that? There. Wow. I forgot. Yeah, you know, like, through this hiatus we took, Yeah. I'm watching a bunch of comments come in on YouTube and people are so mean, like, fucking long intros, get to the point, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, asshole, there's a timestamp right there. Oh, yeah, we offer timestamps. Go to the goddamn timestamp. You don't have to hear any of this. Get right to the topic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, true, I forgot to say that. If you want to hear this, go to go to the show notes. It'll be there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, life still sucks. Uh, <laughs> You know, can't wait for the Florida trip. I think I mentioned that in the last episode. We're going yeah. to Florida again. Mm-hmm. But that's about it for me, man. That's cool. I just you want to know. mention that a little bit, and then we can move on. Yeah, I'm ready to it's spin this horrible story uh, and give people nightmares mm-hmm. for Christmas. That's my gift to our listeners. Is You
2: nightmares. know, my favorite gift you've given me without, you even, without even knowing you've given it uh, so far well, at this point in the year is that there is, as far as I know, no phone number. No fake ass phone number to give out, bro. There is no phone number anymore. <laughs> you can't give out one. There is none. Actually, there n- is. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. Give me this gift of not lying to the American public, or well, the world public, the public. <laughs>
0: uh, I could say world. I mean, we have listeners all over. Yeah, right. We yeah, yeah, we yeah, do. yeah, yeah. Germany listens to us, but like <laughs> <laughs> website. No. com. That's okay. They can uh, go there. I'll allow that. Uh, we don't have a Patreon anymore for now. Right. Fuck Twitter. <laughs> fuck Twitter. <laughs> uh, 872. No, no. No, we don't. Jay, I thought we were. I Wait, thought we got hacked. Do I remember? <laughs> we did. Yeah. We so, our shit exactly. Down so, uh,. I do remember it. You remembered it. I had is remember it, it still active? It is active. Oh, man. 872 I got coal this year. I got coal. 0767. 872-529-0767. Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know you're still out it's there. It's not real. Let us know you're still out Dollar there. Too. Oscar, don't you want to know if listeners- It's not real? <laughs> Fine. Send us an email. Yeah, send us an email. Contact I'll believe that. Mm-hmm.
2: com. Send us some AI art, which is all the new things we might not be able to do.
0: AI art? AI art. Have you not
2: looked it up? God, no. Oh, it's fucking fantastic. Is it really? You could look up anything. Anything your little brain can think of, it'll make art out of that thing you're thinking. And AI would do it for you.
0: I kind of like that. Yeah. You know, they said, I've heard that if if AI gets to the point where it could replicate a human, what was it, a human signature, Hmm. it would be the end of the world. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: I mean... I'm embracing it more at this point. It's been shitty
0: everywhere. So Yeah. I forgot the whole story behind the signature thing. I'm not gonna get into it here, but that's what I heard. Yeah. That could be a topic. So <laughs> it's I mean, if they're doing beautiful art, it's only a matter of time before they can replicate. I didn't say signature. beautiful,
2: just but they're making art. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean some of it is beautiful, I guess. Yeah.
0: All right. Do we do we break anymore or do we just roll into it? We should probably
2: Yeah. I mean quick. we should take a break because I think I mean your your cataracts are acting, you probably need to take your medication. <laughs> that's all Poor bastard, why did giving out phone numbers. I don't know what the fuck you're doing because you hate yourself. That's why. <laughs> this year, I really did. All right, um, we'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to the show. Well, I can't believe I'm going to say this.
2: Mm, I remember
0: now. But the lights are turned down low. The ceremonial candle is lit. And the E.H. Taylor is flowing. Mm. Let's start this show. So, uh, again, trigger warning. Major trigger warning on this one. Yes. Uh, This is... This is nasty. I think this is worse even than the the Kobe cannibal we covered last season. Mm, Yes. Uh, This topic is probably the worst thing I've ever researched. Many people believe that what we're going to talk about tonight is the worst murder ever committed. Ever committed. The story of Junko Furuta. The agonizing story of Junko Furuta is a brain worm. Details about this case slither their way into your brain at the most unexpected moments. And there they dig deeper and deeper into your gray matter until it's impossible to forget this story. Horrible mental images of what Junko went through creep their way into your dreams, turning them into literal nightmares. And I had several nightmares While putting this story together, Junko's story is a story that changes you, the way you look at the world, the way you look at people. What happened to Junko made me question the existence of God. Like, if God exists, how could he allow this to happen to someone? This story proves that humans are worse than animals, and it shows just how empty and devoid of empathy and compassion man could really be. This story might have made me question the existence of God, but it sure as hell solidified my belief in demons. Keep in mind, this is a real story. All of it's true. It's not an urban legend or made up gore porn. This really happened to a completely innocent 17 year old high school girl Mm -hmm. who, in, in my opinion, was an incredibly strong girl, a fucking survivor. Because she held on, Junko held on for 44 days, enduring unbelievable torture. And in a final act of defiance, uh, a final fuck you to her captors, Junko beat them at a game of Mahjong, despite not being able to walk or eat or breathe Hmm. or control her bowels. Now, if you want to see pictures of Junko... Furuta and and these animals that killed her, be sure and go to the episode show notes. I've left pictures there for you. Uh, There's no crime scene photos. They're they're just actual uh, good pictures of Junko, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, you really can't find crime scene photos of this case, and that's probably a goddamn good thing. Yes. Um, But if you're interested to see what this this young woman looked like and what these fucking animals looked like, I left them in the show notes. Mm
2: -hmm. Some real, like um – Crazy such a crazy like bestial mindset that goes on here oh, i don't even know how to describe it you can't it's
0: it defies, yeah, you know, it defies description,
2: logic because you know you've heard of uh you've heard of things like um for example jaguars or other creatures like cats, maybe especially cats is more relatable. Because uh, also jaguar is a type of cat, I guess. Um, cats are known to, have, you know, torture their prey before they eat them. Things like that. Like a play, like a torture play oh, thing yeah, that they right. do. You're right. Yeah. It's a little bit of that that it feels like um, in a very like 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 a like a gut feeling kind of sense. It feels like a little like that, a little brutal. But like a cat playing with like, it's not the cat's fault, right? Not necessarily like an animal doesn't. It's torturing, yeah, the mouse, sure, but like, it's like part of them, right, in a weird way. Um, this feels like that.
0: It does, <clears throat> although these guys are completely at fault. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. because we're conscious, yeah. so, you know, exactly. we're aware. Yes, yeah. Yeah. you're right. You're right. It's yeah. a great analogy too. Hmm. All right, now the Junko Furuta case, the story, the murder, takes place in Japan, and it's also called. The concrete-encased high school murder girl case. Okay. Concrete-encased high school murder girl case. Because ultimately, Junko's body was found in a 55-gallon drum encased in cement and discarded in a landfill. The Japanese could be so literal.
2: Yeah, well, the translation could be weird, too. Oh, you think? Like in uh, maybe in their dial, you know, in the way they say it, it's probably much more common. And, and their descriptor, and then and so when they translate it, it just sounds like oh, this is the way to break down just this very word. So matter of but fact, but for them right? that it's a one-two word thing that makes it flows probably better. I'm ah, saying ah, Lost in translation, maybe.
0: Good point. Mm-hmm. Good point. That's probably what it is. Because when I read that, I'm like, wow, that's. But that also, in our sense, that
2: Texas Chainsaw Massacre, pretty long. <laughs> 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 just to give an example. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. It does sound very weird that, that translation. Yeah. yeah, not good. Concrete. And it day sounds day like someone's first time. Naming a case. (laughs) Yeah. Right? (laughs) A rookie
0: named that. Right, right. Right. Man. Okay. So, (sighs) everything we know about this agonizing story of Junko Furuta Mm -hmm. comes from Japan. Japanese news stories, blogs, mostly. Not a lot of American sources to pull from at all. That, coupled with the fact that a lot of the details about the case were kept from the Japanese public because of the offender's ages, makes finding cold, hard facts about this case incredibly difficult. In fact, we wouldn't even know who the pieces of shit that murdered Junko are because they were under 18 when they killed her. And because of their age, they were given special privileges in Japanese court. Their names and certain details withheld from the public to, quote unquote, protect the underage offenders. Hmm. We only know who these fuckers are because a Japanese reporter said. Fuck these guys. They don't deserve to be protected by anonymity. anonymity. I can never say that <laughs> after what they did. So mm-hmm. then that's what he says. They fuck these guys. They don't deserve this protection. So the reporter dug around. He discovered the offenders names and released them to the public. That's crazy. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is that I've done the best I can to gather enough credible information to tell this story. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, things change depending on what you read. Dates, people involved, duration of captivity. Was Junko held for 40 days or 44 days? Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What doesn't change from source to source, however, are the descriptions of the mindless brutality and unimaginable torture rained down onto an innocent high school girl by a group of devils. And even worse, the staggering lack of any form of justice for Junko. Now, here's what we know about Junko Furuta. She was born on January 18th, 1971 in Masato, Japan, Sadama Prefecture, about 44 miles from downtown Tokyo. Junko lived at home with her mother, father, and two brothers, one older brother and one younger brother. Junko attended Yashio Minami High School and had a part-time job after school. She was pretty, with wavy, shoulder-length black hair. Large, dark, almond-shaped eyes, and a pretty smile. And she had huge dimples. Hmm. Junko liked to bake, and she was known as a good girl. Pure is the word that kept popping popping up when describing Junko in these articles. She didn't drink or do drugs. She didn't cause any trouble. And she was really good in school. Smart. And she was popular. Everyone liked her. And she was close to her family. Yeah. At the time this all went down, Junko had a, a fairly serious boyfriend, and when they were planning to take a skiing trip together. Now, the common storyline says that, ironically, it was Junko's perceived purity and her good looks that caught the attention of a fellow classmate, a mm-hmm. demonic fucker named Hiroshi Miyano. It said that 18 year old Hiroshi approached Junko on a number of occasions, trying to hook up with her. But each time, Junko politely politely refused. After all, she already had a boyfriend, and she was more interested in school and work and supporting her family. So, when Hiroshi would approach her, Junko was like, "'Nah, man, I'm good.'" Now, this Miano asshole, in all the reports I've read, he's kind of this gangster character— who walked around claiming to have close connections to, or actually was, a member of the local Yakuza, the notorious Japanese mafia. Needless to say, Yakuza or not, a guy like Hiroshi, his attitude, wasn't used to hearing the word no, right. especially from a woman.
2: Or at least letting it go in any way, or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. It's a slight
0: to his manhood. You know, yeah, yeah. It's an insult, Fuck Yeah, this guy. Now, this you got to keep in mind, this supposed Yakuza connection, it's really important, as it's a repeated threat by Hiroshi that if anyone said anything about what was happening to Junko, Hiroshi would stick the Yakuza on him. So everyone just kind of shut up and let this horror unfold, unheeded. Now, I did some research into this Yakuza thing, and apparently it's a pretty big deal in Sadama Prefecture, where Junko was from. Mm Mm-hmm. I was able to find stories of Yakuza activity in Junko's neighborhood in 1988, when this case happened, all the way up to present time. So if Hiroshi wasn't really connected with the Yakuza, even if he said he was, there's a good chance people would have looked the other way, just in case.
2: Yeah. that's um. I'm sure that happens a lot, too, especially, like, you take examples of um <clears throat> Of uh, you know from World War Two, saying that you know they'll report you for this, or like saying it in uh, in the mob heavy era of the of our Capone's oh, days, yeah. you don't have to actually know uh, an enforcer right from these mobsters. You just have to say it to the right person, right? And, and that's enough of a threat fire. to ward off any kind of uh, police involvement or whatever. Yep. Because a lot of people, like you know, a lot of people would have. Called on the screams on the activity going on the obviousness of them because these kids are not like smart they're kids they're now they're young adults right they're not just kids I guess but you know what I mean so they're pretty dumb about it but like the one thing hanging that one thing that lets them be in this case like uh, it's the it's the it's a criminal element the fact that there is a criminal element in 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 Tokyo in Japan call a Yakuza, they they can use on, they can use to, like, have this time. It's just i I'd say that speaks to also a larger, right, societal problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 And people were afraid. Yeah. So it it makes sense that maybe they wouldn't say anything just in case. Yeah. Because it was a real thing. It was a real threat. So here, you know, quick recap, we have this young, pretty, vibrant, Innocent, pure, to use the word from the articles, Mm -hmm. girl, Junko, high school girl, uh, refusing the advances of uh, an Uber guy, right? Mm. And this isn't going to sit well with him. Yeah. So on November 25th, 1988, at around 8.30 p.m., 17-year-old Junko was riding her bike, most stories say through a park, heading home from her part-time job, looking forward to having dinner with her family. Now, stories differ as to what Junko did as part-time work. I've read she was a waitress, and I've also read that she worked at a small plastics factory. Hmm. Regardless, as she was riding to the park, unbeknownst to Junko, the scumbag Hiroshi Miyano and a friend, 16-year-old Nobuharo Minato, hmm. Minato, were out on the prowl, slithering around Misato looking for women to rob and rape. Apparently, at just the ages of 18 and 16, these two were already seasoned criminals and rapists. Now, normally, er, nothing in this story is normal, right? Let's, say, right, right? let's say typically the two would rape and release women, but they would deviate from their M.O. with Junko. And we're not exactly sure why. Was it simply the boy's time to escalate from serial robbers and rapists to kidnappers and murderers? Was there something special about Junko that made them deviate from their norm? Did Junko refuse Hiroshi's advances one too many times? I can't really say, but unfortunately, the two maniacs saw Junko that night, riding her bike, and Hiroshi devised a plan. On Hiroshi's orders, Nobuharu kicked Junko off her bike, and then quickly fled the scene. And like a hero swooping in to save the day... Hiroshi approached the frightened Junko and offered to escort her home in case the attacker should return. Now remember, Junko knew Hiroshi from high school. It wasn't a positive uh, experience knowing him, but in her frightened state, she decided to trust him. Hmm. Fatal, fatal mistake. Yeah. Now instead of bringing Junko home to safety, Hiroshi, the little shit, took Junko to an abandoned warehouse where he raped her, and he threatened that the Yakuza would kill her and her family if she said anything about what was going to happen or what was happening. Hiroshi violently raped Junko, right there in the warehouse. Then he took her to a local hotel where he raped her again. And he continued to threaten her that if she told anyone about the rapes, the Yakuza would kill her and her family, Junko and her family. After raping her at the hotel, Hiroshi contacted his friends, Joe Agora, 18 years old, Nubaharo Minato, the one that kicked Junko off a bike, right? And remember, Nubaharo, he's just 16. And he also contacted another jagoff named Yasushi Watanabe, 17 years old. Hiroshi bragged to his friends about what he'd done to Junko. And Joe Agura apparently told Hiroshi to keep hold of Junko so they could all have a turn with her. Junko was then brought to Nobuharo Minato's parents' house, where she was gang-raped by the four boys. And it's at this house, on the second floor, with Nobuharo Minato's parents regularly inside their home, that poor Junko's 44 days of captivity, rape, torture, mutilation, and eventually death took place. Yeah. You see, it's believed that Nobuharo's parents were fooled into believing Junko was their son's girlfriend, and so they thought nothing of Junko being in the house. Other stories say that the parents were fully aware of what was happening to Junko. I mean, how could they not be, for fuck's sake, It's their home. But they were simply too afraid of their son's supposed Yakuza connections through Hiroshi Miyano to say anything or do anything about the depravity happening inside their home. That, and according to a few sources... Apparently, Nobuharu was beating the shit out of his parents, too. So they were afraid to intervene and afraid to go to the police for fear of Yakuza retaliation and getting beat up by their own son. That makes it sound as if Nobuharu's parents were just as much a hostage as Junko was. Maybe, right? Maybe, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe at worst, it's sort of
2: uh, willful ignorance. To, you know, being as frightened as a neighbor would be about calling the cops on the kids. Right. Right.
0: Yep. Fucked up.
2: But they just have to see it and hear it more, right? Right. And get beat for it, probably, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, beating his own parents. I mean, these are just gold star, gold star people here. <laughs> now, reports say that Nobuharu had a brother who also lived in this house and who was also aware of what the boys were up to with Junko. But this brother, too, did nothing to stop the insanity.
2: Hmm.
0: Now, up to this point in the story, Junko had been viciously beaten, continually threatened with her and her family's death at the hands of the Yakuza, Mm -hmm. and she was raped at least six times. And sadly, it's about to get much, much worse. When Junko didn't return home from work on the evening of November 25th, 1988, Obviously, her parents got worried. On the 27th of November, Junko's parents contacted the local police to report their daughter missing and asked that a search for Junko commence, to which the police agreed. When word got out that police were searching for Junko, her captors forced her to call her parents and tell them that she was perfectly fine, that she ran away to a friend's house, and that she was thinking about coming home soon. So could they please call off the search? Her captor said she better be convincing that if her parents thought anything suspicious about the phone call, yeah. the Yakuza would be sent over to the house to kill her entire family. And apparently, Juko was convincing enough because the police search was soon called off. Now, with no one looking for her, her parents reasonably appeased that Junko had just run away but was safe, and Nubaharo's parents held that bay due to fear or stupidity or both. Mm-hmm the four devils had all the time in the world to play with Junko. Now understand, we don't know the exact timeline of events. Junko was held for so long, and ultimately so many people were involved with her torture that a breakdown of the suffering she endured day by day is impossible. Mm -hmm. All we have to go on are the words of her four main captors. And again, that's Hiroshi Miyano, Mm-hmm. The 18-year-old supposed Yakuza tough guy. There's 16-year-old Nobuharo Minato. That's the one that kicked Junko off her bike. And it's at his house where all this goes down. There's 18-year-old Joe Agora and 17-year-old Yasushi Watanabe. Watanabe, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's believed that up to 100 people either knew about or participated in the rape, torture, mutilation, and murder of Junko Feruda. 100 people. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there's no way other people didn't know about it. 40 days,
0: at least? 40 to 44 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Court records say that at one point, a young girl visited the house during Junko's imprisonment, and the little bastard doodled on Junko's face while she was passed out from the abuse. Now, I found this little piece of information in only one source, so I'm not, who knows if it's true. But something about it just chills me to the bone.
2: Huh.
0: And it's also believed that during her 40 to 44 days of captivity, Junko was raped up to 500 times. 500. So let that sink in. Yeah. Now, the timeline of events that investigator, investigators believe is fairly accurate is as follows. And again, trigger warning, this is bad stuff. Probably the worst we've covered to date. Uh, and remember, up to 100 people are said to have either known, watched, or even took part in this nightmare. Mm-hmm. It's even said the boys charged an entry fee. Yeah, I remember that part. So people could watch as Junko was slowly tortured to death. And other stories say people paid an entry fee to participate. The fuck is going on in Japan, man? <laughs> <sighs> So on November 25th, 1988, Junko was kicked off that bike, taken to a warehouse and raped. She was taken to a hotel where she was raped again. Then she was taken to Nobuharo Minato's house, gang raped. Then she was forced to act like Nobuharo's girlfriend and made to call her parents and say everything's okay. And holy shit, what's going through Junko's mind at that point when she's forced to make that call to her parents after what she's been through Mm -hmm. and so close to help? That right there would break someone. And all this is just the first couple of days. Junko's got to go through much worse for over 40 more days. Yeah. Now, from there up, to, up until around December 1st, approximately 1988, Junko was continually raped. Rape happens nearly every day in this entire ordeal, yeah. and many, many times a day by many, many people.
2: Yeah.
0: During this time, Junko is starved and she's refused water instead she was forced to eat cockroaches and drink her own urine now i had to look this up a person can get away with drinking their own urine for a few days as our urine's about 95% water but the other 5% consists of harmful waste like nitrogen t- potassium calcium so when you drink your own pee all the bad shit your kidney attempts to get rid of winds back up in your system and right. back into your kidneys mm-hmm. Ultimately, forced to drink urine for an extended period of time, one could suffer symptoms brought on by total kidney failure, vomiting, diarrhea, increased urination, terrible muscle cramps, heart palpitations. As for eating cockroaches, not only is it fucking gross, but roaches feed on anything, including dead animals, rotten flesh, spoiled food. When eating a roach, there's a high risk of passing that roach's contaminants to the human host. Mm, Not good, right? Junko was also forced to participate in humiliating acts for her captor's enjoyment, like being naked constantly and masturbating vigorously in front of them. Objects like bottles and food skewers, some food skewers with chicken on them, were forced into her vagina and anus. Fireworks were inserted into her anus and lit, the explosions causing severe damage to Junko's insides specifically her rectum and lower digestive tract. Inserting anything into the anus can lead to a severe abdominal pain, rectal bleeding, vomiting, fever. Objects large enough, like a fucking bottle, can rip through the anus and and rectum, again, causing severe pain, hemorrhaging, and, of course, terrible infection. Yeah. A hot light bulb was inserted into Junko's vagina, and her abdomen punched until the light bulb but broke broken cider. Foreign objects inserted in the vagina like a fucking skewer or a broken light bulb can perforate the vagina and enter the abdominal cavity, again causing ex- extreme pain and hemorrhaging and if not treated, putrid infection will result. This is what she went through. Mm. It's believed that fireworks were also set off in Junko's mouth and ears, resulting in obvious extreme pain as well as damaged or ruptured eardrums. Burns to her mouth and lips, damaged tongue, probably damaged teeth, too. Depending on the charge, fireworks set off in the mouth could also cause temporary dizziness and the sense of vertigo. All this within roughly the first ten days of Junko's captivity. Buck. Now, beginning somewhere around the eleventh day, the real beating started, and Junko was beaten mercilessly. Junko's lean, schoolgirl school body was hung from the ceiling by her wrist, and her body used as a punching bag, her captors throwing full-on hay balers straight to her body. Again and again, they punched and kicked as she helplessly hung from the ceiling. Unable to defend herself or even attempt to block the onslaught, Junko had to hang there and take it. Think about that a second. Think about how hard it is to breathe when your arms are above your head supporting your weight, like hanging from a monkey bar or from a pull-up bar. Just hanging there, it's hard to breathe when your arms are supporting all your weight. Now imagine someone, or multiple someones in this case, throw, that are bigger and stronger than you, throwing these punches at you as hard as they can in the gut while your arms are above your head supporting all your weight, and you're defenseless to stop it. I can't even imagine And considering how slight Junko was, she likely suffered broken ribs, internal organ damage, you know, from these suspended beatings. Reports say that blood started to flow from Junko's mouth uncontrollably while she was being used as his punching bag. This would have been caused by punctured organs, most likely. Hmm. Now from being suspended and beaten, Junko was then stretched out on the floor on her back, feet secured and her hands tied above her head. That's when heavy weight dumbbells were dropped on her stomach and chest, with, again, no way to lessen the blow, because she's fully restrained. She's had to lay there and take it. She's a fucking 17-year-old girl. Junko's head was jumped on while her face was held against the concrete floor. This happened multiple times. At one point, her captors left her alone, figuring she was too well beaten and weak to try to escape, but that's exactly what this incredibly strong woman tried to do. Even after the extreme torture Junko had gone through, she worked up the strength and courage to try to escape, to make it to to the phone to call the police, but she was caught. Some stories report that Junko actually connected to the police, but one of her captors, likely Hiroshi, the ringleader, the Yakuza guy, took the phone from her and told the police that the call was a mistake and promptly hung up. And The police never followed up. As punishment for trying to call the police, her captors burnt Junko all over her arms with lit cigarettes, then doused her legs and feet with lighter fluid and set her on fire, while another bottle was shoved into her anus for good measure. And don't forget, Junko's continually raped throughout all this by both people and objects. By this point, it was difficult Impossible, really, for Junko to drink or eat anything because of the damage to her stomach and internal organs. Her body was so damaged it simply couldn't accept the little food and water she was given. When she was forced to eat or drink, Junko had just vomited all back up, which angered her captors, so they beat her some more. Just this vicious cycle. Now, by the 20th-ish day when it came around, Junko was able, unable to walk properly because her legs were so badly beaten and burnt. She was beaten repeatedly with bamboo sticks, golf clubs, and iron rods. I'm talking full-on swings to this poor girl's already mangled body. She couldn't walk, and still they're beating the shit out of her. Fucking pussies. More fireworks were forced into her anus and lit. Cigarettes lit in her vagina. Her clitoris burnt with a lighter. And the captors laughed and laughed. Junko's hands and fingers were smashed and mashed with weights. Small pieces of wood were inserted under her fingernails, and then the wood set on fire. Fucking hell. And at this point, we're far into into December, so it's cold outside around 40 degrees Fahrenheit, lower at night, and Junko was forced to sleep outside on the second-story porch with little to no clothing. The boys would later say that Junko smelled bad. That's why they made her sleep outside. Besides, Jinko was in no shape to Junko was in no shape to run away or call for help. Plus she had already learned what would happen if she tried to escape, so the boys didn't worry about her being outside. So Junko just basically laid there, naked, freezing, agonizing in pain, helpless to do anything but wait for her next round of torture at the hands of the sadists. Junko was crammed into a freezer and made to stay in there for hours on end. And despite all of this, Despite being broken beyond repair, Junko still found the courage and strength to live, and once again she attempted an escape from her hell. But again she was caught, and again her legs were set on fire. Junko convulsed and passed out because of the pain brought on by her her burning flesh, flesh that was already mangled and oozing pus from her previous beatings or burnings. The boys thought she was faking her pass out, so they set her on fire again. Unbelievably, Junko still held on. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point during this madness, a boy named Kiyoshi Ihara was bullied into raping Junko. And after the deed was complete, the kid ran home and told his brother what was happening back at Nobuharu Minato's parents' house. Or Nobu, <laughs> Nobu-, <laughs> Maharu- Nobu Minato's house of horrors, as I like to call it. Right. The brother told his parents, and the parents called the police. And police went to nobaharo's home to investigate. And unbelievably, his parents said that no, there's no girl here. And they invited the police into the home to have a look around. And satisfied with the offer, the police decided not to enter the home. After all, why would the guilty offer to allow the police to enter the home and search the scene of the crime, right? So the police left. Had they just entered and searched even a little bit, Junko would have been found and rescued. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. And ultimately, when this whole case came out, the two officers that went to the home but didn't investigate were fired. It's good. Fuck them. Around the 30th day of her captivity, Junko's eyelids were burned with a lighter, and hot wax was dripped onto her eyelids and face. Sewing needles were shoved through her breasts. Some needles left inside her breasts, and her left nipple was mangled and ripped off with a pair of pliers. A pair of scissors were inserted into her vagina, causing more massive bleeding. Junko's insides must be completely mangled and non-existent at this point. Hmm. And she had completely lost the ability to control her bowels and bladder. It would later be discovered that Junko's brain had actually shrunken in size from the constant trauma to the head and being in the constant state of fear. One of the boys said that Junko was so crippled at this point... It took her over an hour to crawl down a small set of stairs to go to a lower level bathroom. Junko was so badly damaged that the boys were growing tired of her, and instead just thought her disgusting and useless, no longer a fun plaything. Now, on day 40, New Year's Day, Junko begged her captors to kill her. Of course, they wouldn't grant her that mercy. She spent New Year's Day alone, mutilated, and unable to get up from the floor. On day 44, Junko's final day, she was forced to play a game of mahjong, which from what I could gather is kind of like our American card game rummy, only it's played with 144 tiles instead of cards. Her smug captors challenged Junko to the to the game of mahjong. Challenged uh, her smug captors challenged Junko to a game of mahjong, and believe it or not, she won. Her final fuck you to her captors. And of course, this enraged her infantile tormentors, so they went on a rampage. They beat Juko with an iron barbell. They forced her to stand and beat her feet with a stick. They kicked her and punched her. They placed two short candles on her eyelids and burnt her eyes with more hot wax. They dropped weight-lifting barbells onto her stomach. Juko was beaten so badly, and so much pus was oozing from her burns, that they decided the only thing left to do was douse her arms, legs, face, and chest with lighter fluid, and they set her on fire. Again. What's this, the third or fourth time they set this poor girl on fire? At least. This final act of torture is said to have lasted for over two agonizing hours. And later, on that 44th day, Junko Furuta finally succumbed to her injuries and died. The animals could hurt her no more. About 24 hours later, the boys wrapped Junko's body in blankets and stuffed her into a 55-gallon steel drum and filled the drum with concrete. The drum was then ditched on a tract of land in Koto, Tokyo. And in case you're wondering, I'm not exactly sure why they kept her for a day before getting rid of the body. But knowing these demons, necrophilia is probably not off the table. That was never discussed to have happened necrophilia, but again, if these guys could go this far. right? Two weeks after Junko's murder, police arrested Hiroshima and Joe Agora on a totally different gang rape charge. During the course of the questioning, the police insinuated that they knew about a murder the boys were involved in, though the cops were not talking about Junko, but rather a completely different open investigation. The disappearance of a local woman and her seven-year-old son. Now, Hiroshi Miano, that little bitch, he panicked, thinking that the police got the information from Joe Agura, who must have confessed to Junko's murder. So he, Hiroshi, told the police everything, including where they could find Junko's cement-encased body. Wow. And within a few days, Joe Agura, Nubaharu Minato, Yasushi Watanabe, and Hiroshi Miano were all in custody. The police quickly located the 55-gallon drum containing Junko's body. And she was only identified by fingerprint. That's the only way they could identify her. Now in court, these demon seed, they were tried as adults. But instead of being charged with torturing and murdering this poor girl, which could have likely led to the death penalty or at least life sentences, instead the charges were reduced to committing bodily injury that resulted in death. Therefore, Hiroshima, the ringleader of this hellish circus, the Yakuza guy, was sentenced to only 20 years in prison. Nobuharu Minato was originally sentenced to just four to six years, but was resentenced to a whopping five to nine years on appeal. Just five to nine years. Nobuharu Minato's parents, the owners of the house where all this took place, they were never charged. And neither was Nobuharu's brother. Now, Yasushi Watanabe was sentenced to just five to seven years, and Joe Agura only eight years in a juvenile prison. Such incredibly lenient sentences for absolutely abhorrent crimes, but they were protected by special provisions applied to individuals 18 years and younger in Japan's court system. Now, in court, two other men were proven to be involved in the assaults because of physical evidence found on Junko's body, including semen and pubic hair. These men were Koichi Ihara, the one who was bullied into raping Junko, and someone named Tetsu Nakamura. The judge in the case was quoted as saying, quote, Exceptionally grave and atrocious violence had been inflicted upon the victim. Junko Furuta had been murdered so brutally at the young age of 17 that her soul must be wandering in torment, End quote. That's kind of crazy for a judge to say something like that, but it's the culture, right? The wandering ghost the torment. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, what do you think of the guy? The guy that was bullied into it. Do you believe that he deserves a, a certain sentence or something? I mean, this must be weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, he deserves something. I don't know. I think I. That's a tough one, man. That's a tough one.
2: Yeah, so it's so weird. I mean, uh, I you know, unchecked aggression is like putting it mildly, but like there's this is level of um, unchecked teenage id roaming around here. Oh, man, yeah. I Made mean, on crack. How were you as a teenager? How was I? How much of your actions do you even control? And oh, how much, okay. and if it went unchecked, how, I feel like, are we all like this if we like, we let it happen and these guys just got like a weird, rare window of opportunity to, to do To all, let it run. To let to it run. run. And, and a poor, innocent person was in the, in the wake of it whatever. I hope this level of depravity isn't in all of us. I really do. Well, I mean, I mean, there is a certain sense of like you need to believe that humans can be this bad. They can be also the complete opposite. They can be that much good too. It's just that not these guys, right? Yeah, right. Like you know, it's be easy to read this story or hear this story. I mean, in your case, listeners listening into it, um, and see nothing but the depravity that it is, and nothing hopeful in anything nothing, out there. But you can also, you know, you can also bring up um, bring up a fine story that has the complete opposite reaction to that and be also true, right? Because we're capable of both, right, as mankind. Yeah. And these guys just feel like a lot of unchecked anger, a lot of, like, teenage id nonsense, like run amok. It feels so visceral that they they themselves don't even know what they're doing. It's like they're just trying things out. Yeah. It's like they just see, they're not seeing a person. You know how a child can be, an actual child here, not like a young adult, an actual child can be devastatingly brutal in what they say or in what they do because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what is or what isn't wrong. These guys know what they're... No, these guys know. I'm not saying they don't. But I'm saying, just like a kid who does that, can do that, is capable of having no discernible whatever between right and wrong, it seems like this is like an extreme version of that with their upbringing and whatever's going on. Absolutely. Um, That it's like, it is 100% I'm not saying it's not their fault, but it seems just such a a powerhouse of of an example of um, like some sort of non-aware consciousness going on. Mm. It's like it just seems so unnecessarily over the top. Yeah,
0: so extra. So extra. So extra.
2: Nothing compares to this. No emotion whatsoever involved. Well, the only emotion you get here is what you're feeling listening to his details, to Jay's details here. That's all the emotion you, you can bring in. And that's all anything is in that story. This story has nothing like that. There's no there's no emotion in the story. Like, we don't know. We can imagine a lot of things. Like, if the parents and the younger brother were hostages in that situation, then I would say, I don't think they deserve anything. But, like, I don't know. Right. Like, would you fight to the death as a younger brother or the father gets beaten to stay in one place and tell the police to get out of the, you know, whatever? Um would you fight with everything you can to try to get the word out? I don't know. We'd like to say yes. Right. We would like to say yes, but we're not in this situation. We're not in this situation. <sighs> it's just such a weird mind fuck. It's like pure evil and these side casts of evil that are like joined, are forced to join in with them. And it's like a weird societal thing that's obviously aside from the Junko torture.
0: Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of repression in yeah, that society. Right. You know, we talked oh, about. Oh, generally speaking, yeah, we yeah. We talked right. about a lot of that with Izzy Sagawa. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's no explanation here. There's, there's not.
2: No, no, there, there, there no. really isn't. It's like <laughs> aliens can see this as an example to kill us all. <laughs> right. <laughs> or not to show themselves. Right. And we have examples here too. It's nothing, I mean, not, nothing to do with the fact that it's uh, this particular culture, but it can happen anywhere. It has happened here. We have the most serial killers in any other country mm. and among other problems. But like, you know, uh, it's just insane. It's just insane. Yeah. It's insane to think about it. You can't, con- you can't wrap your mind around it because you'd have to think of how you were at that age and then somehow find a weird, find a, a touchstone where you could have gotten that far. I'm not even saying with another person. It could be with an animal. It could be with yourself. It could be with what you say, not what you do, right? Mm-hmm. It could be nonviolent, but you can all have that example, but it's hard to touch back. And the older you are, the more far apart you are from it. Hard to relate. Yeah. Hard to relate. Absolutely. And another thing, uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of inspiration. This story has inspired a lot of things in Japan uh, with, their, with their artists. Particularly, uh, there is a, a manga called 17, it's meaning 17 years old. Yeah. It's a manga with a story by Seiji Fuji and art by Yoji, Yoji Kamata, published in 2004. It depicts the kidnapping and rape of a girl based on the murder of... Junko Furuta Now obviously It doesn't have her name right. But it's strictly Based on that And there is a, a movie called Concrete Yes As you can imagine Yep From 2004 Independently produced Japanese film Based on the murder case I've never seen it But I've Never seen it either And there are others That are not indirect Even more like Subtle than those two examples. I remember um, Takashi Mike has done a few... Oh, yeah. A couple things that, like, you, you do, some of your descriptors, they torture people in his movies that way, and really? some of them are, like, are meant to be, like, an honorific on this horrible case because, I mean, one, on one hand, it's art he's making, and he's touching back on something that his audience, the Japanese people, would understand. You know, what I mean, that's uh. what he's doing. He's inciting a visceral reaction with his scenes. Wow. So if you know the story and you watch them, you know, you can see uh, how artists can take the story into their own. Interesting. Keep it. Also, keep it not fresh, but um, keep it in the. Don't let her be in forgot, the zeitgeist of like right? not to be forgotten. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Keep it. Keep it there. Don't forget. Never forget. Right. Never forget. Kind of like the yeah.
0: Now, at Junko's funeral, which was held on April 2nd, 1998, one of her classmates said in a a memorial address, this is a quote, Jun Chen, welcome back. I've never dreamed that we would see you again in this way. You must have been in so much pain, so much suffering. The happy, now happy is a traditional Japanese coat worn during festivals. Mm -hmm. The happy we made you for school festival looked really good on you. We will never forget you. I have heard the headmaster has presented you with the graduation certificate. So we graduated together. All of us. Jun Chen, there's no more pain, no more suffering. Please rest in peace. Yeah. And and so, listeners, you're aware I left a link to Junko's funeral in the show notes. It's in Japanese but you really don't need you don't really need it to be in English the images speak for themselves in their own universal language that of heartbreak and loss in the video you'll also see photos of junko um as a uh, whole yeah to right, the, the right? regular a, a regular yeah. junko as well as the outside of the home where all this shit took place it's, it's pretty interesting so you, i'll leave a link there you could check that out now today if you could believe it All four of these assholes that tortured and raped Junko to death are out of prison and on the streets.
2: Hmm.
0: Hiroshi Miyano, now going by the surname Yokoyama, was arrested on a number of occasions after his release from prison in 2009. Charges include fraud and attempted murder, and he's also done additional time in prison. Hiroshi is chronically unemployed, yet he always seems to have money and fancy cars and nice clothes so maybe his connections to the Yakuza were real after all. And the other three animals? Can't really find much on him. I know that Joe Agora was released from prison in 1999 and is now known as Joe Kamasaku. Apparently, he got married and lived a pretty normal life until he suspected his wife was cheating on him. Agora found the man, supposedly nailing his wife, kidnapped him, and beat him to a bloody pulp all the while He's saying, I've done this before. I could get away with killing you. I've done this before. I could get away with killing you. Agora caught another seven-year sentence for this abduction and beating. And believe it or not, I read that Joe Agora wound up having a daughter. And I hope, I hope he sees Junko every time he looks into his daughter's eyes. Nubuharo Minato, who now goes by the first name Shinji, got out of prison and wound up beating and stabbing a guy in the neck. And he committed other crimes, and, and little else is known about him today, but he is out there. He's free. He's walking around. As far as Yasushi Watanabe, he seems to be the only one that got out of prison after a pitifully short sentence. They all received pitifully short sentences, actually. But Yasushi seems to be the only one of the four that stayed on the straight and narrow, and, and he hasn't reoffended, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. But you literally cannot find anything on this guy, like where he is, what he's up to. He dropped off the map kind dropped of thing. Dropped off the map.
2: Also, well, this takes place in the 80s, no, uh, not much cultural footprint, and internet especially, so yeah, maybe never logged onto MySpace.
0: Well, these guys got out of prison in the
2: 90s. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. But I say, good, fuck this guy. Let history forget his ass. Forget all their asses.
2: Mm. Yeah, I'm sure that's what he wanted.
0: Now, sadly, the shaming of Junko didn't stop with her torture and murder. Shortly after Junko was laid to rest, Nubaharu Minato's mother spit on Junko's grave, and she vandalized it because she blamed Junko for ruining her son's life. Hmm. Can you believe that shit? No, I fucking forgot that part. Nubaharu Minato's parents were ordered to sell their house and hand over 425,000 in Japanese yen to Junko's parents as compensation for their their son's involvement in Junko's torture, rape, and murder. Hmm. But instead, the money was given to three of Junko's killers upon their release from prison. With this money, it said the boys took lavish vacations and bought themselves all sorts of nice shit. Not a penny went to Junko Furuto's parents. Not that money would have stopped their anguish or brought their daughter back, of but course. But this adds insult to injury. Exactly. Yes. Just another slap in Junko's face and her family's face. Yeah, yeah. And that, listeners, is the horrifying case of Junko Furuta. If you want to follow the story deeper, a number of books have been written about this case. There's a movie called Concrete that Oscar Mm -hmm. mentioned that's based on this crime. There's been a lot of manga based on this murder case of Junko Furuta. But probably the most notorious manga is called, and I'm going to fuck this up. Okay. Shin Gendai (laughs) Aryukin or High School Girl in Concrete. By Walta Uziga. Okay. Walta Uziga, which is a pen name, and it's a pen name that's strikingly familiar to a a Japanese phrase that translates to the maggots gush forth. So that should hopefully (laughs) get an idea, yeah, about this guy's style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And his 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 mindset. Yeah, Yeah, his shtick. So apparently he's incredibly popular, but this stuff is nasty that he draws. It's um, a style called guru which focuses on extreme gore and mutilation Mm -hmm. and most consider his high school girl in concrete manga, his most brutal work. And I've seen excerpts from this manga and it's disgusting.
2: Yeah. yeah. There's definitely an art style for that. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, not a few of his, but I have a few. Yeah. Um, Likewise, there's an, there's anime called 17 Sai based on very loosely on it. They changed the ending probably to be more hopeful because it's pretty horrible. Um, But there is a short lived anime you can watch as well that does very similar. Oh, okay. Um, yeah.
0: I wasn't sure I was going to cover this one.
2: What would you say is like the detail that hurts you that feels like more visceral to you?
0: I think some of the most visceral stuff for me is the suspended beatings mm-hmm. and the beatings where she's secured on her back, mm-hmm. legs outstretched, arms stretched above her head. These guys, I mean, she's such a slight, she has such a slight frame. Yeah. A seventeen-year-old girl, uh, not being able to to do anything to to stop those blows or try to protect yourself from the blow, just taking it. I can't even imagine what that's like.
2: Yeah, well, none of this I can't imagine. None of it, know, that nothing. Yeah, never experienced this kind of thing. Usually,
0: that or the jumping on her head when her face is against concrete. I mean, what what do you think? And yeah, they're
2: not right. The light bulb for me hits. Me. Yeah, I was
0: going to say so. The, the light bulb. Yeah.
2: When they something about it, it. and then it's punched just, her till it broke, yeah, just the something fuck? really bad. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of the, a lot of parts of the story is like that for me. You know, the real, uh, this is not a positive by any means, but a small positive weird thing about this movie as far as like how legendarily it is. I mean, this happens and this happened in the 80s and we're talking about it in 2022. So there's something to be said there about that brutality, the very specific nature of what's going on. But more importantly is that the one we remember. Isn't the killer so much is Junko Furuto? Her name is the prominent thing that makes everyone remember what happened. Unlike most ninety cases of the world out there regarding murderers, even one-offs or spree killers, serial killers, especially, we remember the murderers. Not in this case, though; it's the victim that is prominent. And there's something to be said that her legend lives on in that sense um, because she's the victim here and she is the reason why it has stayed on for 30 years.
0: Uh, great point. What a great point. Yeah, you're right. I, I research this shit for the show mm-hmm. all the time. I couldn't tell you uh, one of Richard Speck's murder victims. Right. I've covered it. I don't remember. It's yeah. terrible to say. It's terrible uh, to say. Bundy, mm-hmm. can't tell you a single one. Uh, yeah. Dahmer, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, You know, Gacy, I remember because he was close to home and blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And it's a shame we don't remember the victims. Right. You know, um, good point. Thank God we remember in this one. Yeah. Because this is probably the worst one we've done. Yeah, for me it is. Yeah. What a way to come back.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Merry Christmas?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if Uh, it's going to release before Christmas, after Christmas. Oh, right. Okay, well. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy (laughs)
2: Chinese New Year.
0: It'll be before that. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts? No. That was it. How did I usually sign off? Oscar, take us home. That's right.